Well, good morning to you. We're coming to an end of the Christ of the Book series. Hopefully, we're going to finish, not today, but next week, we will finish uh, the book, this Christ of the Book series. We're going to be looking at Revelation today for an abbreviated time, and then next week, we're going to conclude it. If you're wondering what is the Christ of the Book series, we've gone from Genesis to Revelation, uh, talking about Christ of the Book. In the volume of the book, it's written of me, uh, the Scriptures say, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, that He indeed is the theme of the Bible. He's the theme of this book from Genesis to Revelation. He's the theme of the book, my prayer, my hope is that He is the theme of your life, that He is the purpose of your life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then may we appear with Him in glory. When Christ, who is our life. That's the question this morning. Is He your life? He's the theme of this book. He's the purpose of this book. Pray this morning that He is the theme of your life, that you want your life to count for Him, that we all realize that everything that we do, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we say, whatever we do, we do it for His glory, for His, for His praise. In Revelation... Like so many of the other books that we've covered, there are multiple descriptors. It's hard to pick just one, and I've got to tell you, the book of Revelation is no different. In the book of Revelation, there are many things that describe who our Lord is. But we picked Revelation verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. He is the faithful witness. And the reason that that verse is so important is because it ties who Christ Jesus is here in Revelation to who the Messiah is all the way back to Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah 55, verse 4. And see, and during the tribulation when they're reading this book or even this afternoon when you're reading this book or whenever you delve into the scriptures, you're going to understand it should jump out at you that the one that the book of Revelation is describing is the one that Isaiah was describing when he labeled who they were to look for, who Israel was to look for, who they were to expect. Isaiah 55, 4, Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Well, here Revelation is saying, he is the faithful witness. 
The book of Revelation is identifying, John is identifying him as that commander of the people, the one they are to worship, the one that the prophet Isaiah was indeed talking about. He is the faithful witness. Verse 9 of Revelation 1 says, I, John, whom also am your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle of, that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was by the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, you want to know who the Lord Jesus is? Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamos, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Here it is identifying him as the beginning and the ending. Well, that's exactly what the book of Isaiah identified him as. Look at Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Start with verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, thou that hast not known me. Verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and, and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Drop down to verse 18. Of Isaiah 45. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, he hath created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. 46, Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Basically, what we have in the book of Revelation is the fulfillment of that verse. God doing exactly as He planned, as He purposed. Verse 9 of, of Revelation chapter 1 uh, is one of the most outstanding names of God. Isaiah, uh, I mean, Revelation 1, uh, verse, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Almost selected that is he is of the book of revelation he is the almighty and i'm here to tell you this morning that he absolutely is one day one day each and every one of us must stand before the almighty he is almighty god it will either be the most terrifying experience of your life or the most glorious. What you do with the Lord Jesus Christ depends on how you stand before Him. 
I mean, think of it. Terrifying. Wondering at that moment, is he going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Or depart from me, for I never knew you. See, those are the choices, folks. The well done, thy good and faithful servant will be said to those who by faith have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Depart from me, for I never knew you or those who have rejected Christ. Realize, realize, please realize that there is no one in hell that God rejected. Everyone in hell are those who have rejected God. The Almighty we all must stand before. As we stand before Him, is it going to be terrifying or is it going to be glorious? It's going to be glorious to everyone who realizes that when He died on Calvary's cross, when He shed His precious blood, when He was buried, when He arose, it was for you, and it was for me. In the book of Revelation, the entire book is absolutely tied to the nation of Israel, God's kingdom promises, and all that's going to occur after the rapture. Now, as we get into Revelation a little bit this morning, but a whole lot next week, as we get into the book of Revelation, understand, church, body of Christ, not the kingdom church, but the church, the body of Christ, which is what we are, we're not going to be here for any of this. As we've mentioned time after time after time, we've not been appointed to wrath. And what we're going to be looking at as we go through the book of Revelation, that it is a time when God's wrath is poured out. We've not been appointed to that. But you talk about God's love, you talk about God's mercy, you talk about God caring. He loves us so much that not only did He send His only begotten Son, not only does He love us so much that He was willing to go to the cross and suffer, He loves us so much to tell us, here's what's coming. Here's what's coming. Here's what's ahead for the world. He is from the beginning to the end. He knows. And He loves us so much, He wants to warn us. He wants to make sure that we understand what's coming. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. Need to understand, mankind cannot, cannot prevent the counsel of God, the determined counsel of God from taking place. We can't change the determined counsel of God we can't postpone it. We can't hurry it. God's counsel will stand. Uh, Isaiah 45, 6. I think we just read that a second ago. Well, look at it again. Isaiah 45, 6. It's right, right before Isaiah 45, 7. Isaiah 45, 6. No, I'm sorry, 10, verse 10, Isaiah 45, 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, 
saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. So as we read this, as we go through this, as we study this, understand that God is going to have his perfect way and purpose. And the things that we should do is embrace that truth, understand that it's from God, and live our lives accordingly by faith. Amen? Thanking Him for what He has delivered to us in order that we might serve Him. And He's also allowing us to be part of this gospel message to share with the lost world. He's allowing us to be His ambassadors, the ministers of the word of reconciliation, this offer of salvation. He's making us part of it. We get to be on His team. We get to be on His side. We get to share with the world that so desperately needs to hear this truth. And as we get into this, and again, this is all introduction. Next week, we really will get into it. But a couple of keys to understanding the book of Revelation. Number one, understand that the church, the body of Christ, is nowhere talked about in the book of Revelation. The church, the assembly, the ecclesia that it is mentioned here is talking about the kingdom church. These are Jewish assemblies that are going to be in existence during the tribulation period. To understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand that John was on the Isle of Patmos, not on Sunday. Where in the world that came from, we have no idea. It's a tradition of man that's wrong. John was on the Isle of Patmos. He was taken into the day of the Lord. He wasn't there on a Sunday and just finished eating fried chicken and, and just being taking it easy and maybe looking forward to a nap on Sunday. That's not what was going on. He was on the Isle of Patmos, and he was taken by the Holy Spirit into the day of the Lord. And what he is shown are things that are going to occur during the day of the Lord. In each one of those seven Jewish assemblies, each one of those seven Jewish churches, and the word church just means called out ones, and these are going to be called out. They're going to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are stern warnings to each one of those seven assemblies. And the, the warnings are going to be, I know your works. It's, the emphasis is going to be works. The emphasis is going to be he that overcomes. See, that's one of the ways, ways we know that that's not talking about the church, the body of Christ, is because Romans 8 tells us that we're already, already more than overcomers through Christ who loves us. We don't have to overcome. We don't have to endure until the end. And by the way, when he talks about overcomes or endures till the end, what's he talking about? The tribulation. The tribulation, not taking the mark of the beast, rejecting the mark of the beast. We're already more than overcomers through Christ. We don't have to overcome to be saved. We're saved by believing that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again. We are placed in Christ. We identify with Him. We are more than overcomers in Him. The book of Revelation has everything to do with the coming day of the Lord, 
the tribulation period, the promise of the kingdom that's going to be established, to understand the other key to understanding the book of Revelation is to understand the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord was teaching the disciples to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, he taught them to pray. When you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, that, he was preparing them for that promised kingdom. See, Israel, nowhere in the Old Testament does anybody ever talk about dying and going to heaven? The blessing to, to the nation, the promise to the nation was always, always a kingdom on earth, an everlasting kingdom. The Beatitudes in, in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes has everything to do with the kingdom. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall, or blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom, not the, king, the, the not in heaven, but on earth, which is the kingdom of heaven on earth, what Israel was promised. All eight of the Beatitudes concern the kingdom of heaven established where Christ is going to rule and reign, and those eight Beatitudes are an absolute contrast to the eight, woe to you Pharisees and Sadducees that are directing the people away from the truth of who Christ is. There are eight Beatitudes. Blessed, blessed, blessed. There are eight woes. Woe, woe, woe. Matthew 5 talks about it. Toward the end of his ministry, Matthew 20, 23, it talks about woe to those Pharisees because they were leading the people away. So to understand the book of Revelation, you need to understand Christ came, John the Baptist came preaching Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because the king was in hand at, at hand. He was there. The offer being made to the nation of Israel. In Revelation 19, verse 16, we find that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That his kingdom will be established on earth. John 14, 1 and 2, John, John 14, what does it talk about? You know, uh, I go to prepare a place for you, and that where I go, I shall do what? Come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there may you be also. He promised the disciples they're going to sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes, all of that is on earth. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. It's talking about that day of the time of Jacob's trouble. It's, it's Daniel's 70th week. It's a time that Daniel's talked about is going to be a time of persecution like has and trouble such as never has been. Matthew 24, Christ uh, says the exact same thing. Actually, he says it in Daniel 2 because he hits the word. He's just reiterating that the tribulation is going to be uh, the most difficult time that has ever been or will ever be. And so the book of Revelation finds that being 
fulfilled as the wrath of God in Revelation 15 is poured out in its entirety. So that's what the book of Revelation is all about. Understanding that it is a future judgment of God upon earth, upon the beast, upon the Antichrist, who is going to show up soon. And I say soon because you've often heard us say that the stage is being set, right? Well, I, I think the stage is, has been set for a little bit for that beast, that Antichrist, to come on the scene. I think the curtain's about to go up. And as that curtain goes up, all those players are going to be on that stage. And what the book of Revelation so defines and describes is going to start taking place. Fortunately, for those who have trusted Christ, you're going to be with the Lord. You're going to go up in the rapture. You're going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air prior to that. So you can rejoice at that truth. But let me tell you, let me tell you, more than likely, and I really believe this, more than likely that the beast, the Antichrist, is alive and functioning right this very moment. We've probably seen him on television. We've probably heard about him. We're not going to know him because there's going to be a departure before he is revealed, and I am happy. But I believe that the Antichrist is working right now, and he's, he's not the beast. He's not the Antichrist at this very moment, but he is going to fulfill that, that role as the son of perdition. So when the rapture occurs, all these details of the book of Revelation will commence. The, those seven seals that the book of Revelation talks about, those seven seals that I outlined the different segments of what's going to take place during the book of Revelation. I mean, God has it so organized. There's, it's, the seals are going to be open, and each one of those seals are open. It, it displays the activity that's going to be occurring. That first seal, it's open. It, it reveals the activity of the Antichrist coming on a white horse. He's a counterfeit then. He's coming on a white horse. The second seal is going to be open. There's going to be war. The third seal, famine. The, four, the fourth seal, fifth seal, sixth seal, the seventh seal. Each one of those seals are going to be opened. And as they're open, it, it displays what's going to be taking place on the earth during that tribulation period. And only one person... Only one person can actually get that up and going, can get that started. And next week, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 5, which to me is one of the most sacred, one of the most solemn, one of the most glorious chapters in the Bible, is in heaven. They look and they see that lion of the tribe of Judah. They see the lambs. As a matter of fact, it's interesting how John is told that the one who is worthy to take that book and open each one of those seals. See, the things can't happen until the one who is worthy comes and gets it started. It is Christ Jesus himself, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Isn't it interesting when John looks, he sees the lamb? 
We're going to talk about that next week because that's a powerful, powerful statement into exactly who Christ is. But those, those six seals are going to be opening, are open by the Lord. The seventh seal, when the Lord opens the seventh seal, that contains the seven trumpets, trumpet judgments from God. Those seven seals are going to be, uh, that, that seventh seal is going to be opened and the seven trumpet judgments of God on earth are going to start being realized. And those seven trumpets start blaring and those angels start carrying out their mission as God sends them to do. The seventh trumpet contains the seven bowls of God's wrath. Have seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. And that's those seven vials is the wrath of God is poured out during this period of time. And we're close. And we're close. It's going to take place. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready? As we're going to see next week, all of the technology that needs to be able to occur to make some of these things happen, it's in place. It's in place. I think of, of Revelation 1-7. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him and the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. I, even in my lifetime, I've heard people say, how, how is the whole world going to see him at one time? Why, even my 12-year-old granddaughter can explain that now. Even she can reach across the planet to someone in Australia and make it see somebody playing over there live. See, that's, that's no longer an issue any longer. But that was an issue at one time. People were skeptical. Well, that's never going to, that, that can never happen. The whole, the whole world can't. He comes and every eye shall see him. How is that going to be possible? Well, we know now, don't we? We know now. It talks about that you can't buy, sell, or trade unless you have the mark of the beast. Why, that, that's, that's not possible. I mean, even in my lifetime, there were people who would say, the technology's not there. Well, it is now, folks. And one of the main pushes at this point is for a cashless society. It's a digital currency where you will not carry change. I don't know how I'm going to wash my car. Well, I'm going to be gone, so I'm not going to be worrying about it. But it's the digital currency where you want to buy something, you have to use your card. And at some point, not your card, but the your chip in your forehead or in your hand. See, the technology is there for all of that stuff to happen. For all the world to see him. You can't buy or sell. The virtual reality that's in place, well, they're going to make the whole world worship the beast. How's the whole world going to see the, the, the beast and worship him? Virtual reality, things are so real that it is 
It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, transhumanism, we're going to talk a little bit about that next week. I just got to understand it first. But it's frightening. It's scary what's coming, what's happening, what they're going to do. Oh, that never happened. The things that the book of Revelation talks about, why people would never, ever, ever go along with all that. If COVID, if the world's lockdown taught us anything, it is how gullible, how uh, compliant, how fearful man is. If COVID and the worldwide lockdown taught us anything, it's how mankind is really ready to jump on anybody's bandwagon that promises them a little bit of security and more than willing to give up freedom. Sovereignty, nah, who cares? As long as we have bread and circuses. You throw in a few signs and wonders like the book of Revelation tells us the beast is going to do. You throw in a few signs and wonders. Why, it's let me on that bandwagon is what the world's going to say. They're going to be convinced. Matter of fact, the scriptures say in Matthew 24 that unless the days were shortened, even the elect, even those that have believed in the kingdom gospel during that tribulation period, unless the days are shortened, that even the elect were going to be deceived. So guess what God does, according to the scripture? He shortens the days. He sh and I'm going to show you next week how he shortens the days. Right now the day is, last time I looked, 24 hours. It's going to be, it's going to be shortened. By a third, I'm going to show you exactly how God's going to do it. See, we're moving into those times, moving into those times, it's coming. The world loves to boast, to brag, and decide with things like the World Economic Forum, like the World Health Organization, like the United Nations, and all of those are pointing to a one-world economic system, a one-world government, a global control that makes slaves out of the individuals that make up the citizenry of the planet. That's what's on the agenda. That's coming. We're almost there, folks. And my question to you, Are you ready? I think I've shared with you before that uh, I remember when I was a youth pastor and I was talking about the book of Revelation and sharing this with some, some uh, teenage boys. They, they told me, they said, we can't wait. We're excited about it. I guess they played too much gaming and all that kind of stuff. They thought that's going to be an exciting time. They're out of their minds. They'll be squealing. And I hope and pray that they come to know the Lord. Of course, this was 30 years ago. Hopefully, they've grown their men and grown men with families, and they recognize that it's not good. It's not going to be a pleasant time. 
So I asked the question again. Are you ready? The only way to be ready is trusting the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Believing the gospel. When Christ, who is our life, shall come, may you also appear with him in glory. When you stand before the Almighty, is he going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Is he going to say, depart from me? For I never knew you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing those words and knowing that a Christless eternity in hell awaits? I pray that's not for any of you here. And it didn't have to be. Because God's offer of salvation now is the day of salvation. Now is when God says, Believe, trust Him, and be saved. Let's pray. Father, we come before You. We thank You for what Your Word teaches us. Father, I thank You that Your, your promise to us is that Word is not going to return to You void. And Father, I thank You for that truth. I thank You that we can stand and proclaim Your Word, that as the Scriptures go forth, that they accomplish exactly what You want them to accomplish. Father, how thankful we are that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. He is the one who instructs. So, Father, I pray that that happen this morning. That, Father, we will be faithfully serving until you call us upward, until you catch us up to be with you. Father, I pray for each person here that by faith they've trusted you as Savior. And if they haven't, Father, may they not leave this building today until they get that issue settled. Father, we love you. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the joy of serving you. And Father, it's with great expectation as we get into the book of Revelation next week and we conclude this study on this series of Christ of the book, Father, that we will glorify you And Father, the conclusion of this will just make us stronger, more determined to serve you and stand for you all the days of our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.